The City Life app enables you to listen to Sunday messages and even explore the Bible while listening. Stay up to date with church life through our Connect section and much more. Download the City Life app today. Welcome to the City Life podcast. Our desire is to make Jesus known. We pray that these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. But it's good to see you today. Uh, I'd like, I'm going to go ahead and we're changing things up just a little bit today. So I'd like for you to get your notes, your Bibles and your Bible apps out to 1 Samuel 13, 5. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 5. Uh, today I'm uh, launching a series of messages called Clearing Hurdles to Success. Hey, the truth is every one of us desire success. Isn't that right? Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you want success? Yeah. Now, now. Why in the world, though, would we talk about that in church? Well, I, ha- I think it's important for us to back up then and ask us a fundamental question. Here's the question. I'm going to pose it to you while you're looking up 1 Samuel 13, 5. Okay, here's the question. Does God desire you to be a failure or a success? Which does God desire for you? Does it, a failure or success? Now, now, unless you're one of those people that thinks God's out to get you and he's watching and waiting for you to do something and slip up so you can go, you idiot, you know, unless you're one of those guys, please don't be, then you would have to answer, God wants you to be a success. In fact, in fact, it's true. All through the scriptures, from the beginning to end, it's clear God wants you to win. And as your pastor, I just want to be honest with you. I want you to be successful. I do. I do. Why do I want you to be successful? So that you will make Jesus known. It actually gives you greater opportunity. Now, listen carefully. The reason why I created this series is to challenge everyone who hears this to live and to learn and to grow in a particular way so that your life will be a greater reflection of Jesus because honestly, that's ultimate success and that's what helps us to make Jesus known. We do this really cool thing at the dismissal of our services. And, and uh, we've had some people say, well, why do you do that? Why do you say that little thing at the end of the service? Well, it's, it's not just something we threw together and thought would be a cool thing to do, even though I think it is a cool thing. But we, we, we say this together. We say this out loud. And, uh, and, and, and it's, it's a benediction, a benediction you know, to wrap things up at the end of our gatherings. We've done this since the beginning of the church. But actually, it was introduced about 5,000 years ago to a man by the name of Moses. God told Moses that he was supposed to tell the priests to speak this over the people every day, which would help them to remember that God is on their side, God's going to be with them, and God wants them to shine and glow so that all the nations will know that, that God is with them. You know, really, that's it. And so we have that same benediction here today. And, and it's this. It's this right here. It says, God bless you and keep you. In fact, you guys have heard this. Some of you have been around here for a while. Come on, say it with me. God bless you and keep you. God smile on you and gift you. God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Now why? So you can keep making Jesus known. Hey, God wants you to be a success. And, and the scriptures actually tell us how to do it. And when your life is a success, you actually begin to amplify Jesus. You actually begin to make Jesus known. So resolved. Here it is. God desires your success. That's his desire. And you desire success, right? 
But, as we're going to learn today, desire isn't enough. You know, simply wanting to succeed isn't enough. And I would have to say, especially today, because things have changed. The world has changed. The desire to become successful hasn't changed on God's part or our part, but how we get there has. That's why I want us to listen very carefully, because success is no longer just like automatic for the person who tries the hardest or who knows the right people or who works at the right job or who comes from the right place or maybe you come from the right perfect family which doesn't exist at all <laughs> the truth is though the game has changed which now actually opens it up for everyone now today what matters most and what matters first is what i call teachability say teachability all right. It's funny because this whole series is more of a teaching type of series and I'm teaching you on teachability. So I, I don't know how that works, but I, I really hope you'll open up your heart to it because actually I wholeheartedly believe that teachability is the critical difference between those who succeed and, and, and those who do not succeed, especially in today's world because our, our world is kind of like a moving walkway. Have you ever been in an airport and, and you're on the moving walkway and, and as soon as you step off, you slow down, you know? But in this world, as soon as you step off this teachability moving walkway and you stop learning and you stop growing and you stop adapting, you're going to be left behind while everyone else keeps moving forward. Now, this room is full of people who are well-educated. Many of you are very creative. Most of you are hardworking. And, and several of you, I mean, you're just very, very, very talented. I mean, I know you guys. I'm your pastor. But the truth is this. All of that, with all that good stuff going for you, Without teachability, your ability to succeed in life is going to be limited. And that is the truth. For the past 30 years, I've given my life to helping people and working with people. And, and I have seen this teachability thing up close and personal. And I think it's even greater and more important now than ever before. Uh, I've seen it in my church. I've, I've seen it with people on my staff. I've, I've seen it with uh, business employees, people who have worked for me. Uh, I, I see it with people in the community. And personally speaking, teachability has always been important to me. Uh, it's been a kind of defining characteristic for my life. And basically, in other words, I, I love to learn. I do. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I did complete formal education. I did do the ed educational institution thing. And that's, that's great. But my desire to learn is greater than what was expected of me through the institutions, and that's what's important for us. And I'm telling you, it's, it's actually easier to get diplomas and degrees and to put them on your wall and get certifications and all kinds of abbreviations after and before your name than it is to actually be really teachable and gearing it for success. You see, for me, it means uh, I continue to read books. I, uh, I, I, I listen to podcasts. I, I sit and I interact with people who are smarter than me. And the truth is there are a lot of there are people all around us are smarter than us, at least in the one area. And there's so much that we can learn. Um, I, I like, to, I like just, to, just, to, just to drink it in and, and digest. And if, I don't, if something isn't right, I spit out the bones, but I still am going to get the best of it. I'm the type of person who loves to daily get into God's Word because in God's Word, I, there's so much more to still learn. I, I, I mean, the Bible is a really, really big book. I love to learn. But, but I've also had to clear a lot of 
hurdles so that I can even be more teachable. And that's been a big, big deal for me personally. And it's not really been an easy journey for me when it comes to the hurdles. And, and uh, this series, really, it's about hurdles to success and teachability. But it's also very much my journey because the hurdles to success and teachability that I'm going to be sharing with you are really the ones that I've struggled with the most. And I continue to strive to clear these particular hurdles. And, and I'm, I'm going to be flat out honest with you. I really, really hope that over the next few weeks, you'll be as honest with yourself as I'm being honest with you about me. Uh, now, that might mean you may face some pain. Uh, there might be some insecurity that comes to the surface. Uh, it may cause you to have to deal with some things that you've not really dealt with fully in the past. And when it comes to the surface and you, 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 you feel it and you hear it and you know it from God, then just deal with it. It, it may mean that you are going to force yourself to apply uh, a, a different way of thinking and a different way of acting than what worked for you in the past. And, and this is also a big deal here, too. This is not what I'm sharing with you over the next few days, few weeks. It's not for someone else. It's not for someone else in your family. It's not for someone else on your job. The series is not about them. The series is about you. So don't be thinking about, well, this is really for so-and-so or this is really for so-and-so because that is actually the easiest thing to do. So don't do that. See, teachability, as I shared a minute ago, demands this thing called desire. It's the passion to grow. It's three things. I call it the desire to become better. I mean, I, you know, you want to be better parents, better bosses, better spouses, uh, b better employees. And, and we should envision our lives as getting better and greater than we are today. Yeah. Teachability also demands the desire to change. The truth is, it doesn't matter how old you are, we easily get stuck in our ways. And we simply don't want to change. <laughs> You know, uh, but see, the truth is comfortable and familiar isn't going to lead you to your dreams ever. Uh, teachability also demands the desire to learn. Um, it's, it's this hunger for more knowledge and for more understanding, for more skills. And so, so teachability is all about desire. It definitely is. But, but the truth is you can desire something and you can desire it all day long and want it, want it, want it. But unless you're willing to do something about it, you'll never change. You'll never get better. It's like what the scripture says about faith. It says faith without a corresponding action is dead. We have to take action. So it's not just about the desire. That is critical, actually. But it takes more because desire alone, nothing happens. So there's a second part to teachability, which I'm going to massage into your heart over the next few weeks. And it's called willingness. It's this willingness to learn something new. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's also this willingness to relearn something that you already know. And that, that's why, like, like, uh, like, like for me, I, I, after I finished up with my sessions with my, with my trainer at the gym, which has got my legs back to normal again, I still have these extra training sessions. So I like, let him retrain me, train, retrain me on my workout programs to make me better. You see, this works for anyone. It works everywhere in life. 
is this desire to have this willingness. It's a willingness. I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to relearn something that I think I already know, or maybe that you really do already know. Uh, a good example of this is back when I was in high school and college, there were these Dunkin' Donut commercials, and I, I remember them. And, and there was this um, rather, I would say, portly man uh, with this very creepy uh, mustache, and, and he would come and be, he would like be awake in the middle of the night making donuts for you, and you were supposed to go get the donuts because this guy was up there all night making the donuts. Sorry. And I'm telling you, that was a great marketing scheme for the 1980s. For, for those of us who were there, you, you, you remember that guy, and you wanted Dunkin' Donuts because he was there. But would that work today? <laughs> no way. But in fact, it's interesting because today Dunkin' Donuts is nothing like it used to be. It's totally different because there's this new consumerism of low carbs and health conscious choices. So Dunkin' Donuts knew they had to change something. Here's what's interesting. Like people, this company became teachable. They decided to relearn the industry where they've already had decades of success. So what they did is they changed their marketing and their branding and even what they offered, uh, and they, they offer coffee and healthy choices. I mean, you can go to Dunkin' Donuts and get healthy stuff, <laughs> you know, and, and Dunkin' Donuts coffee is the big rage. See, but, but, but Dunkin' Donuts could have declared, like sometimes we do, hey, this is who we are, we know what we're doing, and we're not changing. But instead, they were teachable. And as a result, even as a business, they continue to grow and to, to continue to grow their, their bottom line as well. And it's the same for us. Um, a psychologist by the name of Roger Selp, and he wrote this great book. It's called Train Your Brain for Success. He created this formula, and I want to show this to you because this is key right here for us to be teachable. He says, the desire to learn multiplied by the willingness to change equals your level of teachability. It's not a plus, it's a multiplication, which means the higher the numbers, the much larger the product is going to be. You understand how those, those little formulas work. So if you have desire, but you're not really willing, let's say your desire is an eight, but you're willing is a one, you still have an eight. You, you see what I'm saying? But the higher those, both of those are, the more able you're going to be able to clear the hurdles for success that I'm going to be sharing with you over the next few weeks. Now, I have identified five hurdles for success, um, and I believe these actually lower your teachability index if you're not able to de deal with them. I'm going to just give you some practical skills on dealing with these hurdles for success. Uh, and, and if you don't deal with them, the truth is you'll end up having unnecessary trouble and difficulty in your life. And I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. So these are really the five hurdles that I have struggled with the most. Now, to, uh, to get us started, I'm going to tell you about a man by the name of Saul. And Saul was a guy who lived around 1050 B.C., so we're looking at uh, a little over 3,000 years ago, and he was the very first king of the new nation of Israel. Now, Saul had every single attribute that you would look for in a leader. I mean, he was a rugged man's man. He was a good fighter. Uh, uh, he was handsome, and he was tall, and he was a ladies' man, and he was smart. He was charismatic. He had all these great skills going for him, but Saul had internal problems that actually came against his external giftings. Now, catch me here. Again, we're very gifted in here, and I, I know you guys, 
But if they're the internal problems, it will sabotage the external giftings. And I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. We, we, we've, that's what we've got to protect ourselves from. That's why we've got to clear these hurdles. You see, what Saul lacked most was this thing that I call teachability. Therefore, what he did is he ended up stirring up frustration for all the people around him. He caused pain and he caused heartache. Now, the, the life of Saul is found in an Old Testament book of the Bible called 1 Samuel. In fact, I really recommend you guys read through the book of 1 Samuel because it's very insightful. And uh, read through it over the next few weeks. And, and, and what we're going to be looking at as you read through it, you're going to find these different instances that I'll be bringing up on Sundays about where Saul's potential for greatness was stopped by the same hurdles to success that threatened my potential and threaten your potential as well. So the very first hurdle to success that we are going to be talking about today is drumroll. There are no drummers, but drumroll. Ooh, look at that. I like that. How you guys can, can do drums. I didn't ever think about that. All right. That is so cool. Will you guys do the drum? I like that. Early service didn't think of that, all right? Yeah, they were still asleep. I don't, they must not have had their Dunkin' Donuts coffee or something like that, or Buongiorno coffee, all right? The first hurdle to success that is very important that every one of us learn to clear in order for us to walk on this road towards success and be teachable is going to be revealed to us today. And when it's revealed to us, we're going to learn to clear the hurdle of? Ah, uh, yeah. Here, let's just be honest. That's actually pretty cool, isn't it? It looks good. We all struggle with it. We do. Um, pride's a hurdle that every single one of us has to clear, and for me, it's a big hurdle. Now, I, I remember uh, I, I shared with you last week about how I'm not really that great of a runner, and I never really was, and I remember in junior high when they pulled out the hurdles, and I went, oh, man, this is not good. This is not good, because I had these images of me hitting these hurdles and tripping and sliding across the pavement, you know, and I, I really, that, that's, that's what I kind of imagine. but, but the, the hurdle of pride is... Uh, you know, is one of those big hurdles that's, that's, that, that's, that's out there in front of me. And, and for me, it, it's like the hurdle of pride isn't like right here. It's, it's been kind of like right here. How in the world am I going to get that? I mean, do I have to climb over it or what? And I'm going to share my heart with you today. And I really used to deal with this in a huge way. And it's kind of funny because I didn't think I had any pride problems until I actually really figured out what pride was all about. So... Get your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 5. There's this battle brewing. The arch enemies of Israel, the Philistines, are coming around, and, and they're about to attack. The odds are against Israel. Here it is, 1 Samuel 13, verse 5. Look at it in your Bibles. It says, The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots and 6,000 charioteers. <laughs> That's a lot, okay? And the soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. In other words, you can't even count them. Don't even try to start. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of Bethaven. You guys want to say the word Michmash, don't you? Because it's fun to say. Just say Michmash. Get it out of your system, Michmash. Yeah, because you want to be able to tell people, yeah, you know, you know about the Philistines at Michmash. And they'll go, what? It's like, show how smart you are. All right, you just learned something there. Okay, the Israelites saw that their situation was critical and the army was hard-pressed. Now listen to this. It says, so they hid in caves and thickets and the rocks and in the pits and the cisterns. <laughs> Some of the people of Israel, the Hebrews, even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. And Saul remained at Gilead. Here's the king, King Saul. He enters the picture. With all the and all the troops were with him and they were quaking with fear. 
quite an incredible picture. So now here's where the story engages. Saul waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel didn't come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. And so he said, Saul just said, well, bring me the burnt offerings and just bring me the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Okay, now, now, hold on for a second. See, in those days, it's different than it is now because now we all have access to God. God can speak to us individually. In those days, God spoke through priests and prophets. So God guided his, the, the kings and other people through these spokesmen called the prophets. Now, in this story, Samuel is the prophet. Okay, so before a king would go into battle, he would seek out the prophet of God and ask the prophet, is it a good idea? And the prophet would talk to God and give them a response. Okay, now that you understand the setting, back to the story. It says, just as Saul finished making the offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? Asked Samuel. Saul replied, well, when I saw that the men were scattering and the you didn't come at this at time, and the Philistines were assembling at Michmash. Well, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I've not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. Well, you've done a foolish thing. Samuel said, this is important. He said, you've not kept the command that the Lord God gave you. And if you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him as ruler of his people, because you have not kept the Lord's command. All right, no good. This is a mega fail. Saul became really impatient, and he, he, he was losing control, and he didn't want to, so he reacted in pride. See, Saul caved to this pressure to do something, I mean, to just do anything. I mean, that, that pressure just ruled him. And instead of doing the, th the things the right way, the prescribed way, he just went ahead and did things his way. And as soon as he did, everything began to unravel, and the price that he paid was immense because he actually ended up losing the kingdom. The kind of funny thing is that Samuel wasn't even late. I mean, uh, if you read the story, uh, he had told Saul he was going to be there in seven days. But Saul presumed that because of his title and his position, that he could do whatever he wanted. That's a big mistake. You see, Saul's pride then made him untrustworthy, and in turn, it actually made him become a day very dangerous leader. I'm telling you guys, pride is a serious hurdle to teachability and success. Basically, pride says, I am the center of the universe. Basically, it's, it's, it's making this loud and brash statement that I'm going to do what I want, I'm going to do what I think, I'm going to do what's important to me, 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 I heart me. And that is the hurdle of pride. And over the years, I've, I've, I've begun to identify some different thoughts, and I, I call them prideful thoughts, but these are thoughts that, that enter into just about everyone's hearts, and if you take action on these thoughts, then, then the truth is, I'm just telling you, pride is an issue for you, and you, only you can judge your own heart on this. I can't, but I can tell you what, what I've experienced. And so I want to tell you about these prideful thoughts. First, the per first prideful thought is this, is I am above the rules. Now, this prideful thought of I am above the rules, I mean, this is easy to recognize in other people, but it's not so easy to recognize in ourselves. Now, when I was in college, uh, 
I was, I was working a full-time job to pay my way through college. And, and so during my later years of, of college, I had something called chapel release. Now, what this was is that that meant I didn't have to go to the daily chapel services at Southwestern University because of my job and the conflicts that, that were there. But one morning, I mean, I had gotten off work at 8 a.m., and, and there was this really fine girl that I wanted to be with, and, and I thought a great place to hang with her would be chapel. We can go to the house of the Lord together and be good Christians and all that. So I came home and showered from work and got ready and told her to meet me you know, at 10 a.m. at chapel, and I was a little late getting there. She was waiting for me in the hall. So sweet of her to late, and even she got a tardy, but I didn't because I didn't have to be there. But, but uh, we were late to chapel, but the only seats that were available were way up front. I mean, this is this long, narrow building, way up front. And I was, I, I was tired, okay? So I was holding Rebecca's hand, and I just led her to, into this little section in the back, which was under the balcony that was roped off. Now, let me tell you what, that was actually called the forbidden zone. I mean, no one was allowed to sit there. As we crossed over the rope, Rebecca said, Tim, we shouldn't be doing this. But I drug her over the rope. Anyway, come with me, young, beautiful woman. <laughs> and we were in there just being good Christians and worshiping God. And about five minutes later, an usher of all people, another student, came and told me that I needed to move up front, along with my beautiful girlfriend. And I was like, uh, no, 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 listen, 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 Ush. <laughs> you see, I have chapel release and I don't even have to be here. Well, he kind of backed off and he said, he came back to me, he said, well, the dean of students said you need to move up. Well, the dean was standing at the back. I said, well, I'll deal with the dean. <laughs> so, I went back and spoke with the dean of students, left Rebecca there all by herself in the caged-off section. She was going, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I went back there to argue my case as she's saying, Tim, let's just obey, let's obey. I was like, no, no, it's going to be all right. Well, he also told me that I needed to move up. And I said, sir, I mean, I'm not even required to be here. And, and, and then I thought I would be really smart. I, I just said, and I don't want to move, go to the front, walk up to the front during the middle of the service and cause a distraction. Nobody wants that. And if you're going to make me do that, well, I'd rather just leave. So I said, it's your choice. So I left. Well, well he, he tried chasing me as I was dragging my, I went and dragged my sweet girlfriend back over the rope and took her back out. And we walked out and she said, Tim, don't do this. Don't do this. What are you doing? Don't do this. The dean then tries to stop me again and in the hall and say, Tim, don't do this. She's saying, don't do this. The dean is saying, don't do this. I don't, didn't care. And so I was just on my way, literally ready to walk out of the building itself. And this really nice lady by the name of Berna, who's the motherly type there on campus. She was everybody's campus mom. Uh, she worked there on campus, and she came up to me, and she said, Tim, Tim, stop. Tim, and she grabbed me by my arm. Like, oh, it's Berna, okay. She said, Tim, you're the class president, and you're not setting a good example as a leader. And I said, well, you don't understand. I have chapel relations. And she goes, I, I, I know all that but you need to go back in. I said, but I, I, I don't, she said, Tim, just do it for me. 
fine. So I marched back in, and you know, it, was just, it was crazy. I mean, think about it. What a prideful guy I was. I was acting like, uh, I'm above the rules. I'm the class president, um, and I'm not required to be here anyway, so I'm going to sit wherever I want. But then I did hold Rebecca's hand and then took my lovely girlfriend all the way to the front. And Rebecca has insisted on reminding me about that to this day. And it's taken me 30 years to confess my sin, but it was sin and it was pride. Because, <laughs> like, the rules don't apply to me. Come on. See, Saul thought the rules didn't apply to him, and he lost the throne. I still got to be class president, but I lost respect of some leaders that day. In fact, I lost respect of someone who's very important in my life. Another prideful thought is this, is I just do what I want. It's this attitude of entitlement. It's this belief that we are more superior than others, that we're more deserving of, of other things. It's, it's uh, this entitlement. You know, psychology today says entitlement is, is a toxic, narcissistic trait. It's repeatedly exposing people to this risk of feeling frustrated and unhappy and disappointed with life. And that actually describes uh, Saul to a T. See, he dealt with all of those frustrations. And, and the thing is that he assumed that since he was king, he could do whatever he wanted, but it was his narcissism and, and, uh, and it was his attitude of entitlement that he's like, I don't have to honor anyone else's authority. See, entitlement destroyed him and it can destroy us as well. Another one of the prideful thoughts is this, is I don't need your help. I'm just going to do it on my own. I mean, <laughs> I would say, how many times have I done that one right there? And the, oh, thank you, sweetheart, a lot. And how many times has it backfired? I'm talking like every time. See, King Saul got frustrated and he threw a little fit and his pride caused him to push something prematurely. You see, teachable people know when it's time to slow down. Teachable people welcome input and feedback. They don't just shove their agenda through because they're sick of the process. Saying, I was like, well, uh, you know, I'm just tired. I'm just going to do it alone. I'm going to make it happen. I'm telling you guys, trust me, that's not worth it. That's pride. And when you do, when you act on that thought, you're missing the hurdle of pride. And, and then another one of the prideful thoughts is this. It's this. It's like, I'm just tired of waiting. See, Saul was sick of waiting, and he settled for what he thought was going to be good enough, but he forfeited the best because he was impatient with the process. You know, we, we do the same thing. In fact, many of you, there are certain things that you've been moving forward on, but it was moving too slow, and you aborted the process, and so you stopped, and you're wondering, well, where's the blessings that I felt God was bringing me? Well, well, it's just because you're getting sick of it, and it's taking too long, so you just say, that's it. You know, I, I'm done with this. You know, that's dangerous. In fact, I remember uh, when I, I felt this when I, I was 19 years old. I felt God speak to me when I was in my dorm room at Southwestern University. And, and, and God spoke to me one night that, that, that I was going to, to be involved in church planting. And, and I de declared it and stood strong on that. And said, okay, God, when? Wow, how? Well, it didn't happen until I was 45 years old. The process. Maybe God had to get rid of some of this stuff first. <laughs> now, I'm telling you, acting on these four thoughts that I gave you are obvious signs that you're not clearing the hurdle of pride. Now, being tempted with the thoughts is not the problem. We are, we're all tempted with them, but when we act on that, then we're in danger. 
my, uh, one of my favorite authors, uh, John Maxwell, he writes about uh, personal and professional and Christian wisdom. He says, pride deafens us to the advice and warnings of those around us. You, know, you think about being deaf. I don't want to be deaf to advice and warnings. Do you? No way. I want to clear the hurdle of pride, which still for me, and I'm, that's why I'm doing this the first Sunday here of this series, it's still the most challenging hurdle for me personally. Uh, and so I want to be more teachable, and I want to be a success because ultimately it's not all about me. And, and when I clear this hurdle, I can do more to serve people, help people, lead better because I'm teachable. <laughs> that's why I have to clear the pride hurdle. But I want you to clear this hurdle with me. Let's do it together. And there are really some simple ways to do it. I mean, uh, you know, one thing to do is when you come to church, when you come to church, just come with this attitude of I'm going to learn something, I'm going to grow. That's why you should have a notebook. You should bring something to take notes on. You should have a Bible or Bible app where you're expecting to hear something from God that's going to impact you and you're going to get it down so, so something, something that's dynamic, it's going to become specific in your life. Another one is to just simply express gratitude to people write a thank you note. Some of you need to do that today. Express gratitude or look someone in the eye and just say, thank you. Another is to practice servanthood. In fact, here's a, here's a challenge. Serve someone who can't serve you back. They can't pay you back. Also serve your parents. Serve your husband or your wife. Serve your boss. <laughs> here's something fun. Serve a person who really, really, really gets under your skin. Another one is to laugh at yourself. And make, laugh at yourself, make fun of yourself. Making fun of yourself is actually quite fun. Because when you can learn to mock yourself and the way that you've been when you've messed up, it lightens you up about your own self because it's not all about you. When you can, when you can make fun of yourself, you're just joining with everybody else and what they're doing anyway. <laughs> it's, it's, it actually becomes a lot of fun. Trust me, I learned that probably about the time I was 35. I began to learn that. I, was like, I need to start laughing at myself because I, I do some really stupid things. I, I'm taking myself way too seriously. For me, it took too long. I don't want to take too long for you. I, I remember, though, when I... It, it, it really hit me that pride was an issue in my life. And I was actually 30 years old, and, and I'll never forget it. I was with my boss, who was the pastor, and, and uh, we were riding in his car, and I, I, remember, I remember exactly where we were. I don't remember where we were going or whatever, but, but I remember exactly where we were in Duncanville, Texas. And, and he, in the car, and he, he just, he said, Tim, do you ever struggle with pride? And it, bam, it hit me, because no one has ever asked me that before. And immediately, it's like I realized, it was like a light bulb just turned on for me, and I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, wow. He said, yeah, I, I, I do too. And that, like, freed me up to begin to make some changes. See, admitting is the first step to dealing with it. Basically, I knew at that point that I needed to find a way to get over myself. Now, one thing I didn't do is I didn't start asking God, just make me humble. Because, you know, you do that, and who knows what God's going to do. God does answer prayers, all right? So I decided, well, I'm going to make myself humble instead of God making me humble. But, but, but there, I, I, I came up with something back then. I've never even shared this before, but I, I did it with road signs. I did it with road signs just to remind myself of the things that I could do to get over pride in my life. And here's the first one. The first one is yield. Yield. It's ye after an annoying incident, stand in the other person's shoes. 
and consider their perspectives and feelings. In other words, yield in your mind to the other person. Put them first. And that, my friend, helped me greatly. <laughs> in fact, after doing this, I began to actually like some people that I never even wanted to be around before. Because I considered and I yielded. Uh, the other one is go. Go and promote and applaud the achievements of other people. You know, it's basically just cheering someone on. When, when somebody wins, someone does something awesome, you cheer, and you cheer big, and make it just a huge stinking deal about it. Can you do that? Yeah. I mean, this is great because what it does is it takes the attention off of you. And the third one that I came up with was stop. In other words, just stop, quit, just stop justifying your wrong actions. Stop making excuses for the actions that you're doing. Just, just take it on and say, that's just me and I'm just going to deal with it. It's easy. Yield. Go. Stop. And with God's help, and when you surround yourself with other positive life-giving people, that's important, you can clear the hurdle of pride. You become teachable, you're going to become moldable, and you will begin setting yourself up for success because God has a plan for you guys. He does. And it's, his plan is way beyond where you are right now. You, I, I want you to have hope for yourself and for what God has for you because God loves you and he has his best plan for you. In fact, today's reality is far from where God wants to take you because there's something much, much better out there for you and you know it in your heart. All you got to do is begin clearing these hurdles because God's best for you is yet to come. I'd like for there to be no movement at this time, and I want you to close your eyes and focus internally. Maybe you're here today, and you've never really surrendered your life completely to Jesus, or possibly you've drifted from your relationship with God. And, and if you want to know the Jesus that I love to talk about, you want a new beginning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. If you'd like to be included in this closing prayer and surrender your life completely to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do something simple, and that is to raise your hand when I count to three in just a moment. Because faith is when we respond outwardly to what is stirring on the inside. Hey, Jesus loves you more than you can even imagine. And he died for you so that you can have life, and everything in your life can change today. You want to pray this prayer with me? Raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You put your hands down. Anyone else? Anyone else? Pastor, I want to pray that prayer with you too. Super. Here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I'm going to ask every person in this room to pray along with these who lifted their hands. And I want you to mean these words from the bottom of your heart. Come on, pray this out loud. Speak these words out loud, everyone in this room. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Forgive my sins. Today I give up my past. And I embrace the future that you have for me. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me the power to overcome pride. In Jesus' name, amen.
City Life is able to continue making Jesus known through the consistent investments of many. If you would like to invest financially into the vision, you can do so at citylifecenter.org. Simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can stay connected through Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday.